With the inception and traction that blockchain and crypto has gathered, the world is possibly on the verge of the largest evolution since the mainstream of the internet. Given the fluidity and dynamic nature of this technology, business leaders, enthusiasts, and veterans all need to band together to navigate the current and upcoming storms. Participants in Web 3.0 want a trusted resource that gives them pertinent information about projects, tokens, technology, and businesses. We are business people talking the business of crypto. We are Y Whales. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Y Whales, wherever you are in the world. Uh, time zones are one of the few things that, that Web3 has a horrible time controlling. So it doesn't matter. Here we are. And I've got a, my amazing new co-host uh, with me that Willie's been showing up a little bit more and more on some of the some of these technical ones as Mr. Goss is out traveling the world and a little unavailable. So I really appreciate her spending the time. And uh, Michael McCarthy with Shrimpy today. Uh, but before we get to Michael, I, I just want to make sure, Willie, you have a chance to kind of intro yourself and, and uh, hang out and say hi with me. Yeah, no, thanks, Jay. Um, I'm Lily, and uh, I'm a partner at QIS Capital. It's an AI-driven quant fund that does crypto. Um, also invest uh, on the side, in the space, love it, advising, building, um, avid crypto junkie now. Um, <laughs> thanks for having me. Really excited to have Michael here. Awesome. Michael. Yeah, and I'm uh, Michael, as <laughs> mentioned. So, you know, digging into me a little bit and how I got here. Um, over the course of the last decade or so, um, I've sort of built up this understanding that I'm sort of a founder type person. And this sort of began in 2012 when I got into cryptocurrency for the first time. Uh, mining Dogecoin. So I was in my dorm room in college mining Dogecoin uh, with a whole bunch of my <laughs> apartment mates. And I don't think the, the university really appreciated that because that was the time when they didn't really understand the technology. So we we're doing that for free. Um, and, you know, we sort of built up this operation. And that's the first foray into crypto that I that I had. But since then, you know, I've been building products um, I've worked at NASA, Boeing, Samsung throughout that entire time uh, at these other positions, uh, still building, uh, you know, portfolio trackers, building trading applications, building small tools here and there to manage my portfolio, all sorts of things as part of the crypto space. So it's really great to be here and uh, sort of turning it back to you guys. Really appreciate you guys having me on here. No, awesome, awesome. So you know, I've I keep hearing Doge, and I remember when when Doge came out, and it was it was a Reddit thing, and it was a joke, and it was it was funny, and you know, probably who knows where the the, the ones that I had from years ago were. But you know, what what was you know when you saw this, and again, it was supposed to be a joke. It's a fork of Bitcoin, and it was supposed to be this you know nebulous thing. What was what was your reasoning to say we want to mine them that we you know to put that much time and energy into because it? it was way more than I ever put into it. Yeah, so the main reason was because you could make money. So <laughs> I had a whole bunch of hardware that I wasn't using. I was very interested in Bitcoin at the time. So Dogecoin wasn't how I got into the market, but uh, I was interested in Bitcoin and I was sort of uh, trying to find ways to get more Bitcoin. And one of the popular ways to do it was to mine Dogecoin and then just you know trade it into Bitcoin. So, you know, I had my, my setup, I had uh, mining pools that I was uh, invested in, and I had, you know, this process for automatically selling into Bitcoin. Um, 
that was back in the day when all the the exchange would get hacked or you'd lose a lot of money. So <laughs> I've certainly had my share of uh, lost fortune along the way. No, it, it's it's very um, again. It's 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 the fact that you grabbed a hold of of the technical side of it and then really played with it. Um, as as you kind of get into developing these tools, and there's there's you know, is there any that you really stood out or actually got mainstream of adoption, or were they all kind of internal just for you uh, as you're kind of growing your personal crypto portfolio at the time? Yeah. So you know, before my my current company, most of them were tools for myself, tools for my friends, things like arbitrage trading algorithms and scripts that I would run. Um, so most of them weren't really designed for mass adoption. And my mindset changed on that in 2017. So I had uh, these internal tools that I was developing, which were extremely complicated. You could chain indicators together, write algorithms, do all these very technical things to execute trades. And I sort of realized, you know, why am I spending all of this time building things that, that nobody's ever going to use this. It's too, it's too technical. It's too complicated. So um, I, that's sort of when it, my mindset shifted and I decided, you know, I want to build something that is going to be able to uh, reach, you know, the early and late majority of the market. So 80%, 90% of the, the industry. And that's when we shifted towards digital asset management. And that's when I launched Shrimpy. But, you know, we could certainly talk about that. Yeah, no, <laughs> a little I'm, bit don't, don't worry. We got plenty of time for Shrimpy. I, but you've got some <laughs> interesting things here. You've survived multiple winters in, in, mm-hmm. in crypto um, and, and had some, you know, again, it sounds like some really amazing uh, opportunities and jobs in your career, you know, post-college and post your Dogecoin mining operation. Um, but what, what keeps bringing you back? I mean, you've, you've, I mean, so many people when they had that, that first winter or the first drop or the first, like, is this ever coming back? Um, and, and I mean, maybe you're a glutton for punishment. I don't know. Um, but you know, what, what's the reason why you really just seem to, to connect with the blockchain and, and these technologies? Yeah, I think there's a lot of different reasons. Um, you know, certainly the core reason is the technology. I, I love the technology. I think it's amazing. And I think somebody like me who's very technical and likes to get into the weed on, weeds on things, um, it's just sort of endless opportunity. There's no uh, bounds on what you could develop in the blockchain space. So, you know, early days for blockchain is very similar to, you know, like the internet, like what a lot of people say, where, you know, there's just so many different things that can be built, so many things that haven't been built yet. And it's just endless opportunity. But besides that, I think I'm a little bit hard-headed. You know, I don't give up very easily. It doesn't matter how many times, you know, I, I fail or I make a mistake. It's, uh, you know, it's it's just something that I just keep going, don't really care, keep moving on. And that's yeah. a huge sign of maturity in a in an asset class where there really isn't a lot. I mean, you know, you can go from zero to you know three and a half billion dollars in seven months, as Ohm showed us, uh, and then down almost almost twice as fast. Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, about you know five times as fast. So, I mean, it's again, it's it's really interesting. What um, you know, what, what else? What inspired? Shrimpy. What was the, you know, again, we're going to run into Shrimpy here in a second, but um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of tools out there. And, and, yeah. and again, I've, I've played with yours a little bit. Um, but what was the, what was the thing that just you kept running into and you go, no one's doing this. This isn't working. I need, I need 
to build my own and it's got to mm-hmm. be big. Yeah. So what really started it was in 2017, uh, during that bull market, I was managing accounts across a whole bunch of different exchanges. So I had a Bittrex account, I had a Kraken account, I had a, a Binance account. I had, you know, I had like 50 different accounts trying to manage all of these assets, trying to find, you know, which assets are on which exchanges and where's the price on this exchange versus that exchange. And I, I would just spent all day, all night, just looking at, uh, you know, charts, just sort of losing my mind, <laughs> with, you know, how much was going on in the market. And it made me realize I want a single platform that connects all of these different accounts where I could just manage all of my assets in a very easy way, just select the assets I want, and then the platform will go out, it'll buy those assets, automatically index the market, or maintain the allocations that I've specified in a very simple way. So that's what sort of <laughs> Great. started now, it. Now, yeah. now let's see. Now let's talk about it. So uh, give me let's let's hear the overview of of, of Shrimpy um, mm-hmm. and all and all the reasons uh, you know really that that somebody who's active and is this designed for the hobbyists or is this designed for the uh, the professionals or everyone in between? Yeah, that's a great question. So the, the market that we are focusing on is retail mass market. And in order to do this, we understand that we need to make the most simple platform possible for retail investors to get into the digital asset space. And the way that we're doing this is Right now, we have a platform that connects to different custody solutions and it connects to different liquidity providers, and you can manage your assets across all of these different solutions. But uh, we're sort of going through a, a transition where we're becoming a registered investment advisor. We're going to be able to begin taking custody of the assets so that customers no longer need to you know, have an exchange account. They don't need to have a a wallet or any of these different things, they could just deposit their funds directly into the platform, much more similar to a traditional uh, investment advisory, and then we'll manage the assets for them. So they can get exposure without having to understand the crypto space. Wow. (laughs) So um, what what would be the Web2 equivalent of that? Yeah, so there's a lot of uh, equivalents uh, in the Web2, web you know, companies like Betterment, companies like Wealthfront, Fidelity, any of these advisories that, you know, they connect into your payroll provider. They allow you to invest over decades rather than trying to swing trade, you know, some some low cap, low liquidity asset on a, a niche exchange. That's fabulous. So you know, it, and, and again, that was exactly what I was—I couldn't think off the top of my head—but Betterment and, and Wealthfront and, and a variety of those. So currently, in the in the uh, the way it sits today, when you, you log in and it connects your wallet, and and tell me how many chains are you currently active on, and and kind of how it all syncs together? Because my crypto mm-hmm. portfolio is a disaster, and that's where I run into <laughs> a, a big problem. Is like I I, I use uh, Zapperify quite often. And mm-hmm. Zapperify is great, but it, it's like, here's this wallet, here's this wallet. It doesn't do this chain. It, it's it's missing like half my things. And so it's like, you know, I don't even know where half my stuff is. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a great point. So right now we currently connect to 20 different exchanges, uh, centralized exchanges. We connect to Ethereum. We connect to 
a whole bunch of decentralized exchanges. So, you know, we, we connect a lot of both centralized and decentralized platforms right now. Um, and we're going to continue, you know, adding additional platforms as well. But the, the idea is still to have this aspect of the business. That's the advisory where you don't have to worry about all of that. You don't have to have uh, different exchange accounts. You don't have to have wallets. Um, because my opinion is that most retail investors will not take the time or invest the energy to understand what's a wallet, what's an API key, what is DeFi, <laughs> you know, all of these very complicated topics. Well, there's also the burnout factor. I mean, yeah. you know, and Willie, you can you can speak to that quite quite a bit because that's exactly how you got into the space, which is the fact that it's it, it you know for every day in in the traditional stock exchange, it's four and a half days in crypto. I mean, it's it never sleeps, it never stops, and it's unrelentlessly unrelentlessly brutal. Um, you know, but Willie, what was your experience? In, you know, kind of in, in how you developed QIS around that same metric. Yeah, I mean, it, it, just the knowledge that um, I'm losing all the time. Um, <laughs> like, I know what needs to be done, but I can't possibly execute it. Um, but it was also, like, with QIS, it's different because it's it's very, like, you know, heavily, heavily data quant. But, like, in my own DeFi journey, like, I know I should be in DeFi. And so I started exploring. And then it became, like, hours a day and constantly monitoring, oh, is this doing airdrops? Am I missing out on this farm? It's like all these strategies all over the place where it, it feels like crypto is one of those things where you kind of want to go in, but there's no gradual ramp. So you either jump in and the water's like full of sharks and it's sharks and whales and all that stuff. You can't touch the bottom, you're drowning. So you basically figure out how to do that full time or you sit on the sidelines having FOMO the whole time. There's that, there's, there needs to be a gradual ramp. And I think the reason, like I think products like shrimpy make, make that easy is that you know you have trusted people like your advisors and stuff you can work with and then you can gradually get into the pool that if you want to stake and you want to go look at like go to coindex and look at all the different opportunities and go nuts and like be in shit coins you can go do that um but you have like a shallower more gradual shoreline that you get into crypto through um yeah yeah, and I, I think that's the, the the exact point I was looking to to get out of you right there, which is you have to have tools. I mean, having a wallet doesn't doesn't really it's a horrible idea to try to do this on your own because no matter how much you in, believe in your theses, which is um, other than just buying and holding or, or DCA in, DCA out, even DCA in, like everyone needs to sleep, everyone needs to to kind of have some time and and being able to use uh, group consensus. Uh, it, and, and professionals in a variety of manners is, is huge. So, um, Michael, do you uh, are you able to to do a screen share and just walk through your your demo account? Yes, uh, I'd be happy to do that. This is essentially what you can see from Shrimpy. So, um, you know, this is your dashboard. The dashboard shows all of the different assets that you own on this account. So, for example, you know, I've linked my different uh, exchanges. I have six different exchange accounts linked, or oh, five exchange accounts linked, and a whole bunch of wallets. So, <laughs> you know, we've been doing a lot of uh, DeFi lately, uh, testing different protocols and things like that. So you can see I have way too many wallets. And, and no, I mean, imagine, that's, I, that, that, yeah. that looks about like uh, half the, the DGENs I know. <laughs> yeah, and you can imagine this would be a nightmare to manage 
you know, individually managing each wallet, trying to remember which wallet do I have assets on and stuff like that. So, so real quick, as, as we see that, in no way, shape, or form did anyone expose their seed keys to give you Correct. access. It's, it's, a, it's an authorization through, through whichever wallet you're using. Yes, that's okay. correct. So we cannot trade for your wallets without you explicitly telling us to execute that trade. So okay. you would have to click on you know, your wallet. You'd have to select the trade that you want, and we can execute the trade for you if you give us permission. But without that permission, we can't trade for you. What are the timeline? What are the time when when you say uh, permission? How how mm-hmm. long is that permission there? Is it per trade or saying like, hey, here's my Bitcoin, you know, do whatever you want? Yeah. So for the most part, it's per trade. There are you know certainly things that you can do with smart contracts to make it a little bit more sophisticated, but we focus on primarily a per trade, um, you know, situation where you sort of approve every trade at this smart. point. Smart. Smart. Um, you know, and when you're looking at this, one of the things that's cool with Shrimpy is, you know, there's this problem that if you ask a retail investor, how much in assets do they have at a certain period of time? You know, for, for example, if I asked you, how much Bitcoin did you have January 2020? I, I bet most people can't answer that question. Uh, it's a very difficult question to answer. But with Shrimpy, what we've done is on your dashboard, you can actually go to any period in time. You can select that period, show the data, and you can actually see which assets you owned at that time. And you could see their performance at that time. You could see what you know percent allocation you had of that asset at that time. Um, and you can you know sort of look at any period over the history of your portfolio and get statistics, get analysis of your portfolio at that specific moment. So my minds immediately go to taxes. This is, uh, I'm sure you, you can get to it, but is this all exportable, uh, you know, for Excel and whatnot? Yeah, so that's something we're actually going to be adding here shortly <laughs> because, you know, the, the tax uh, problem has been on top of a lot of people's minds lately. So we did want an easy way for you to be able to export your entire history, export your balances at any time. You know, analyze your balances, uh, import them into tax services. You know, any of these sort of typical things that you'd want to do. Talk to me about where the data for all this sits. Is it live reading off the chains as it goes, or are you, when I connect my wallet, is it pulling it into into somewhere else, pulling this data? Yeah. So we actually pull and store most of this data, Um, and that's. Smart. Sort of essential to make it fast. Um, there are applications out there that do pull directly from the chain, but we, as a retail product, we want our solution to be as fast as possible, as responsive as possible, as user-friendly as possible. And the, the only way that we can realistically do that is not pull from <laughs> the chain every time we want to do something. No, you're preaching to the choir. I'd love for Arweave and all these other ones to be a really good solution and for storage, but not there. Yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, maybe in the future we'll get there. And when that happens, you know, we're, we're always looking for ways to expand our infrastructure so that it's more decentralized, more, uh, you know, native, more DeFi, you know, whatever it is. 
But at the end of the day, the experience to the customer is the number one priority. So if we can't deliver the experience that we need to the customer, then we probably shouldn't be building that. Um, at least that's the way that we think about it. Um, we're a very customer first company rather than trying to build a technology and hoping somebody will use it. Uh, we want to first uh, sort of understand the customer and their problems. That's fabulous. Uh, please keep going. Yeah, so that that's sort of summing up the dashboard. Uh, going through a couple of the other aspects of Shrimpy, uh, you have automations here. Looks like I don't have any automations on this exchange. Um, so switching over to my Bitrix exchange accounts. Uh, automations are a way where you can configure things like indexes. So if you want to index the top 10 assets, if you want to uh, you know, create a portfolio of only DeFi assets or only NFT uh, blockchains or, you know, whatever it is, you can categorize assets, create indexes, and then we'll automate that strategy for you. So, you know, you could have a basket of uh, stable coins. You could have a basket of DeFi protocol coins. You could have a, a basket of, you know, whatever it is, and we'll automate all of those at the same time for you. That's really interesting. And, and you're, and then you're saying that the, as you're going forward, you're going to allow other managers to make recommendations and to help. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, uh, skipping a little bit, uh, we have a social section inside the platform right now, but the way that this is going to look in the future is we're going to begin onboarding registered investment advisors and they're going to be able to manage the assets directly for the customers through Shrimpy. So we'll have a portal for registered investment advisors to, uh, you know, onboard their clients, manage their customers, and implement strategies for their clients without having to build this entire infrastructure themselves. And you're and you're posting their their his, their historical percentages, and you're able to do. Show, because I'm guessing that's what we're seeing right here is yes. how we'll be able to sort and say who's who's actually the real deal and who's not. Yeah, so you can see these are different people on the platform. You can see what assets they have. You know, some of these people have multiple portfolios that they're managing. You can see their allocations across different asset classes. You know, and at any time you can sort of invoke their help by copying their portfolio or. Uh, you know, working with them and their community to make better decisions. And I'm guessing that's an optional thing from like, no one should ever follow any financial advice that I give. So I clearly would opt out of anyone seeing my portfolio, but I'm guessing that's an opt-in, opt-out. Yes, yeah. correct. Yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. Um, Lily, and then, Lily, when you, yeah. oh, I'm so sorry. Um, Lily, when you when you see this and you see the ability to now bring in you know social networking and, and 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 validation of you know there's a lot of people that say oh I'm I'm this I'm that I'm an OG and there's a lot of words being thrown around. Do you feel this this is you know the correct validation for for a lot of those people uh, you know more than just a blue check next to their Twitter page that they've been around? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, copy trading is a safer way than making, like, than investing with people. It's a different type of, you know, it's it's a different, it's a layer removed from actually giving people access. Um, and so in terms of agency, the agency rests with the person that trades um, with a certain portfolio, right? Copy trading gives you more freedom. And I think that 
like what's interesting about this and there are other copy trading platforms you know like eToro is the is the one that everybody talks about but i think what's interesting about this is if you provide tooling for investment advisors and provide tooling for a more gradual conservative approach into the space i think the copy trading and all of that becomes gravy rather than you end up relying on people generating strategies for you and hyping up strategies to to essentially like depend on user generated content and so there's a this is like an additional feature that allows the trading to be more powerful rather than this is the end all be all because then you can't really control your roadmap if all you're depending on is copy traders um but yeah, I think like it, this is like I think uh, a step like for instance like in the DeFi space like Enzyme has portfolios that you can opt into, but you're not copy trading them. You're kind of just letting them manage, and so this is like a step removed from SMAs, but still allows you to make decisions on your own. Yeah, I mean it's it's a really a fascinating um, feature, and and what's so just again while we're looking at the screen, what what's the expansion plans on this? Yeah, so the way that this is going to evolve is, you know, onboarding registered investment advisors. We're actually going through a complete redesign of most of the application right now, but the next one is this social aspect where, you know, the leaders or the registered investment advisors, they can directly take fees from their customers through the Shrimpy platform. So we'll actually do all of the, you know, fee processing, the fee collection, the relationship management between these leaders or these investment advisors and their uh, clients. But, you know, all of this is sort of managed through Shrimpy. So this community is continuously expanding, but uh, as um, was sort of mentioned, it's not the, the end-all be-all for our platform. It's not the, uh, the main onboarding into the crypto space that a lot of people will have. It's sort of first people are going to be uh, you know, dipping their toes into crypto through these different portfolios, through automating uh, these different indexes and things like that. And as they get exposure to the market, they'll have the opportunity to communicate with the community, get to understand people um, in the, the social side of the, the platform. And as they get more comfortable, then sort of go into a little bit more sophisticated things where uh, these leaders can help them manage their portfolios or help them understand the market in different ways. Yeah, I, I can say if you give the ability to have some sort of you know link that goes into people's Twitter profile or whatever it is with with this there, um, it would instantly eliminate ninety percent of the pundits <laughs> that are out there, you know, proclaiming how great they are at what they do. Yeah. Um, because th- this is this is on chain and this is the real thing, and you can't pick and choose uh, what wallet you want one day versus the other. I think that's a fa- I really I, I think this brings a lot of validation, um, and we talk about it constantly about education in and around the industry, and we're always sidetracked and, and distracted by by just these these the, the noise the the TikTokers mm-hmm. and and the people that are looking for fame based on wanting to pump coins, um, but they're wrong <clears throat> more often than they're not. They just delete. <laughs> they delete the tweets where they were wrong. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, we have their full trade history. We have their allocation history. We have all of the data that we need to, you know, verify this is their actual history. This is their actual trade history. This is the actual performance that they got in the market. And it's it's accurate. So, <laughs> you know, you can't fake it once you connect your 
uh, your accounts to, to Shrimpy. So the last two sections are really just history. So, you know, this is where you track all of your trades. You track, you know, these are the individual orders that were placed. You know, I, you could see I added cold storage balances and, uh, you know, removed cold storage balances from my account. Um, you know, we basically just track everything that you've done. And this is where we're going to enable the ability for you to begin exporting data. So as we mentioned a little bit earlier, exporting trade data, exporting balance data, that's something that we're going to be adding to this uh, aspect of the, the platform. And awesome. then the last area, this is <laughs> the area that, that needs the most uh, love at this point. Uh, we are rebuilding our uh, backtesting, but ultimately what this is, is this is where you can backtest different strategies. So you can select a number of different assets, backtest that strategy over you know the last years or whatever date range that you want. And you can understand you know, how these assets performed in a collective over that time period. So it helps people make some decisions regarding how to construct their portfolio, how often should I be rebalancing my assets, you know, and all of these types of decisions that people want to make. Can you talk a little bit about your, oh, sorry, can you talk a little bit about your rebalancing feature? Because I think that was like an inflection point that brought a lot of people in. Yeah, so... Very early on, one of the core features that we decided to implement was a rebalancing feature. So, you know, there's a lot of trackers in the market. There was Blackfolio, there was Cointracker.io, there was, you know, all of these different tracking applications, which are great. You know, I think it's great that people can track their portfolios, but our premise was that people don't want to just track their portfolios. They also want to actually take action on their portfolio. So um, in order to do that, we implemented a very simple rebalancing strategy. So where you could select your different allocations and then we would go out and we would buy those assets for you. And then on whatever period that you input, you know, daily, weekly, monthly, whatever it was, we would automatically rebalance your portfolio for you. So over the years, this has become a very sophisticated aspect of our platform. Today, we not only just rebalance, but we uh, do smart order routing with our rebalancing. We uh, place a combination of maker and taker orders so that we reduce slippage. We you know, do all of these very fancy things with our rebalancing so that when you're executing your rebalance, you're reducing the impact on the market, you're not having slippage, you are you know, optimizing your trades in very interesting ways. So we've found that this very simple feature has resonated not only with the retail, but it's attracted a lot of uh, more institutional people as well who are using our rebalancing engine to manage, you know, millions, hundreds of millions of dollars because there is no comparable service in the market for, you know, high quality uh, order execution when rebalancing the portfolio. It, I will say that's the biggest thing that keeps me out of a lot of liquidity pools is I, I just, you know, it's time. I understand how to, I understand how to set them up. I understand what the metrics is. I know how to fix them. I'm not available when things go wrong. 
Um, and I, and even if I know something's going wrong, that doesn't mean I have the time to say, now I got to go not only look at what the problem is, but then solve it. And so, and so those kinds of things are, are huge. Yeah. So, you know, there's certain, certainly a lot of complex, uh, aspects to even very simple things like, you know, making sure that you have enough liquidity for, uh, trades, you know, like each thing that retail investors probably don't think about at all. Um, you know, there's a lot of time and effort that needs to go into understanding how that works. And particularly for platforms like us. So we execute almost as much as a million trades every day, um, which is, you know, significant for uh, retail platforms. And in order to execute so many trades, we can't just throw up a bunch of trades into the market and hope for the best. We would just destroy order books and we would destroy like liquidity. It would just be uh, all over the place. So we really do have to be careful with how we place orders, how we make sure that we maintain the liquidity and the integrity of these markets and things like that. I mean, again, really, really cool. What's the uh, monetization side of this? How are, are you charging? Are you taking fees? Is there a coin? Yeah, so right now uh, we have a subscription model. So we just charge $19 per month for the platform, for the base subscription. Um, however, we are looking at um, moving over to a AUM-based model. Now that we are becoming a registered investment advisor, we're going to add these other elements to the platform that allow us to, you know, take a fee based on assets under management or based on, you know, these other uh, elements. Um, and in addition to that, the the way that the other way that we actually make money is we partner with exchanges. So we have a direct relationship with all of the major exchanges uh, on our platform. Um, and this even includes uh, DeFi as well. So whenever we execute a trade and the exchange collects a fee, we get a, a portion of that fee that's collected. So we make some money on that as well. And is that is that going to continue going on in the future, or do you have is there any changes to the platform coming? So that aspect will uh, continue in the future. We will continue to you know build up these relationships and work with these different exchanges to, uh, you know, come to agreements on how we can, you know, share some of the, the fees that they collect. Uh, so there's no, uh, you know, change in that regard. But I would like to clarify that these fees do not impact our customers. So okay. these are fees that the exchange is taking, and we're just taking a portion of their fee. So okay. we're not adding any additional fees to our customers. And, and really, that's that's huge because there's there's enough fees, and if you're already on Ethereum, we we all pay our minor fees yeah. <laughs> excessively and all the time. What uh what what chains are you? Uh, I know you're on Ethereum. What chains are you right now? You know, on natively. So up until today, we've only focused on Ethereum. We do want to, or we will be expanding to uh, some of the other um, high profile chains that are sort of. <laughs> coming out now um, and have gained a, a bit of traction. So I we, we haven't announced anything yet, but as soon as we do have that announcement, um, I will be sharing that with everyone. That was a well. great political answer. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about how, you're, how you've built up your AUM, um, the customer stickiness of it? That, that part's pretty yeah. cool. 
Yeah, so up until today, we have $1.3 billion in AUM from retail investors. So, you know, when we're thinking about our AUM, we've sort of divided it into retail investors and institutions or other, um, you know, RIAs that are just using our platform right now. So from the retail side, uh, we have about $1.3 billion in assets under management. And the reason we've been able to build up this, uh, you know, quite large AUM from the retail side is from a number of different reasons, one of which the simplicity for managing your portfolio over the long term. Our platform is designed for long-term portfolio management. We're not trying to, you know, and certainly there's a lot of interest in this. We're not trying to target customers who are interested in swing trading, interested in day trading, uh, or interested in flipping assets on a uh, you know regular or fast uh, interval. So we're focusing on the customers who are going to stick with us for the next five years, the next 10 years, you know, whatever that timeline is, uh, but a much longer timeline. Um, and that's sort of evident from, you know, our focus on rebalancing, our focus on portfolio management and indexing. And as we become a registered investment advisor, we're going to continue this mindset. So, um, you know, what we've seen in the traditional space is if you have a 401k or if you open your retirement account with Fidelity or with, you know, whoever it is, generally people stick with them for a long time. It's not like you're going from Fidelity to the next place, to the next place, to the next place. You're sort of settling on, I'm going to use Fidelity and then you use them until you retire. So, you know, we're targeting those same customers who have that long-term mindset. It's. I mean, again, what's the process like? And again, from a from a crypto, you know, Web three perspective, um, a lot of a lot of these agencies don't understand, you know, understand the terminology we use. So when you're saying you're going to become a registered investor, is that process as, as seamless as it would be for a traditional fund? Um, or are you finding some challenges in trying to explain how in the world all this works? Because I, I understand. That. I think it's it's really interesting and, and a beautiful looking, um, but regulators don't really get this. Yeah, so the process is uh, thankfully pretty similar to the traditional space, um, and you know, we're when it comes to registered investment advisors, we're not trying to be trailblazers on the regulatory front. So we are not trying to be the first person to uh, you know do this new regulatory thing. Uh, there's a couple people who have done it before us. We're trying to innovate more on the product side. <laughs> so we want to have an innovative product, not an innovative, uh, you know, legal structure for our entity or something like that. So, you know, we're using a lot of the playbooks that have been developed before, not only for the traditional space, but for people who've come before us who are building advisories. And we're just sort of using their playbook and uh, allowing it to fit into the digital asset space more nicely. Let's take a second, and I'd like to really talk about community. <clears throat> it's a big thing that we always discuss, and, and clearly you're, you're building um, the tools that I think communities will want to have in and around there so that they can recognize which voices <laughs> know what they're talking about and, and other voices like mine that they should never listen to. Um, what are, what are you guys doing to build your own as well as to support others? 
Yeah, that's a good question. There's a lot of aspects to community. Um, and when we're thinking about community, it does still start with the product. You know, you still have to have a product that people love. You still have to have a product that people want to use. So at the end of the day, our community still starts with the product. And then from that product, we can build a community around the product in a way that's productive. So some of this has to do with our branding. So, you know, obviously our company uh, is Shrimpy, which is a very, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's memorable. Memorable. Yeah. So that's a good way to put it. And I think that's what we've seen. You know, when customers interface with our brand, they can come back years later and still remember our brand. If you ask me about some of the other startups in the space, you know, most of them are like bit this or crypto that or coin that or and I can't remember any of them. There's just too many of those same named uh, companies. And it's just sort of overwhelming. So, you know, having a brand that resonates with people and allows them to differentiate us is also very beneficial. But then, as you saw in the social aspect of the platform, we are providing the community a way to interface with customers in a, a unique way. So they can help uh, different uh, traders manage portfolios and they can even earn money. So, for example, yesterday we just paid out one guy $50,000 for managing his community last month. And that was just last month. So uh, there's some people <laughs> who are making way more than I'm making right now just by managing a community inside Shrink. I manage a, a, a relatively large community. I, I, I'm on the wrong deal. <laughs> We gotta, we gotta be sponsored by this, this show. Sponsored by Shrimpy, is that kind? Of? <laughs> um, Lily, when you look at this, and and you know, I think that from a QIS standpoint, again, you guys are a, 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 your own fund, entirely, you know, entirely different deal. Does something like this give you the the desire to want to put your metrics? On chain in something very simplistic like this, um, where you know again you guys are, are entirely different deal. But would you want to for people to find QIS through some through a tool like what we saw earlier um, there? Yeah, I think it's it's interesting because um, it, it's like com- it's like comparing Rintech to Fidelity or, or Robinhood or Betterment. They're different lanes altogether. I think our investors um, are all QPs or internationally accredited and they, you know, our strategy is very active and fast moving and it, it would be impossible to copy trade our, our portfolio. But I would hope that like this is a good way to get people more excited about crypto so that once they make a ton of money and become a QP because, you know, shrimp in America, they would want to come to us and be like, hey, can you help me manage a little bit of this? That'd be cool. Um, but I think like it's a <laughs> like, you know, full disclosure, I'm an investor. Um, been work, we've been working with Michael for a while. And I think this is why we're investing, because it's a great compliment to QIS. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I look at, at the simplistic, simplistic value of it. Um, the fact that you are going to go multi-chain, and, and again, I, I, I have a lot of Ethereum-based uh, based things, but I'm, I'm more on other other altcoins, uh, other alts as well. Um, and so, I, I just I love the look of it. And but more than anything else, I'm drawn to this. You know, the the past, the history. I mean, everything on on blockchain is so into this historic ledger. 
and I'm, no one's going to take the time to go like, oh, so-and-so did this. Let me go check their wallet and, and run and run all this through. I mean, you can with a little bit, um, but this is, this is next level. So, so Michael, developing in this space, and it's not a crowded space by any means, but it's a very, um, especially with what you're doing, it, there's, there are some incredibly smart people that are very much opinionated on, on everything and anything and everything related to, to blockchain. How do you feel that those those adopters or kind of those those visionaries are they are they receptive to to this platform or do you think that there's um, you know some concerns with the amount of transparency that will be created uh, by by the historical nature of seeing the copy trades like this? Yeah, so I would say it depends on the person. There's there's a lot of different types of people in the crypto space, which is fortunate. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that I disagree with, and also, thankfully, a lot of people that I agree with. So one of the, the things that um, I found that there's a lot of very smart people that personally, I would believe, are sort of working on the wrong problems. And a lot of times that comes because they're working on problems that are interesting to them and that they see will solve some, you know, very sophisticated technical thing, but it doesn't really have application to the broader market or to retail investors. And that's not to say that everything has to apply to retail investors. It doesn't. But uh, one of the main problems that we have right now is still onboarding people into the crypto space. It's just way too complicated to do. And if all of our smartest people are focusing on, you know, what's the next smart contract thing or what's the next you know, NFT thing or, you know, whatever it is, we're sort of losing all of our best people to these very technical problems that aren't actually bringing more people into the market. They're just bringing, you know, more value to the people who can spend the time to understand that complicated thing that they developed. Um, oh, it's very true. So as long as we're, we have you and you're integrated with so many wallets, it was a discussion we were having earlier today on, on one of our groups. What, why... Why is MetaMask still prevalent? Is as easily one of the worst user experiences I've ever seen of any technology. Um, it's trusted, and I and I completely understand it, so I still use it. But what are you seeing as you're now integrating with all these wallets? You're in a, you're probably uh, you know working with the teams. How how do you feel that that ecosystem, which is I I believe one of the biggest challenges that still has not been solved, how do you feel mm-hmm. that ecosystem is coming along? I think it's going to change rapidly. So I think. You know, when MetaMask came online, it was innovative in a variety of different ways. You know, this goes back to solving very technical problems. You know, they solved some problems that other people hadn't solved at that point. And that's great for the very early days because, you know, maybe it was the best solution when it came out. But with the nature of, uh, you know, the digital asset space, similar to the Internet, was that, a lot of these very early technologies got disrupted very quickly because their user experiences were bad. So, you know, today people don't use almost any of the technology that was developed early days in the internet. And the reason was because they can't continue to innovate and be, you know, very customer centric. Uh, It has to happen from the start. So they have to become uh, customer centric from the start. They have to understand the problem that the customer is trying to solve and continue to solve that problem over the long term. 
And that problem might change, you know? So for example, if I'm MetaMask and I'm solving the problem of connecting people into DeFi, uh, you know, maybe they solved that problem, but now the problem is evolving. Now it's not just that people can't uh, get into DeFi, you know, the problem might be a little bit different. It might be about now they don't know what to do in DeFi. They get into DeFi and they're like, I don't know where to go. So the problem the keeps feel. changing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So MetaMask can't solve all of these problems. You know, they solved their first problem. And now, unfortunately, I think new technologies are going to come along. They're going to sort of disrupt uh, these uh, earlier solutions and, Ideally, we're going to get more and more customer-centric companies who are solving these problems better than you know. What's the best one? What, what's the best one you've seen so far? The best one. <laughs> the, 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 I, the only reason I'm asking is you have the lar- largest list I've seen of any provider of integrations of wallets. So I'm just assuming yeah. you've you've tested them all. It's really yeah, we have tested them all. It's really hard to say, and it it really depends on the perspective or the, the functionality that you want. You know, like if you're just looking to do a little bit of lending or something like that, and you just want to use Compound, maybe the easiest one for you is the Coinbase wallet because you can just, you know, move some money over from Coinbase. It's all in the same ecosystem. You could do your Compound lending. But, you know, obviously they don't do a lot of complicated things. So if you want to do something more sophisticated, that wouldn't be the wallet for you. So it really depends on what you're trying to do. I think a lot of these wallets have solved different problems, but it would be nice if <laughs> a wallet yeah, came around and solved a bunch of the problems. Yeah, I, I was hoping for a solution, and you're you're again just going through the fact it's it's so early. I mean, it's yeah. so early, and and that's why I'm I'm kind of I'm impressed. Uh, and and believe me, on the show, I'm usually pretty. Pretty, uh, you know, open with like, yeah, okay, that's cool, yeah, whatever. We'll see in a couple of years when when this is mature. But to have have a mature tool like yours that's now exceeding the technology of which the users, you know, rely on, um, it just again, it, it shows how early we are and how, um, despite the rapid pace of adoption, there are some some parts of Web three that are just so slow uh, and mm-hmm. lacking behind. And I, I think that any major adoption. Uh, Lily, you can chime in on this. You know, any major adoption that we're ever going to get is going to have to start with a wallet. Um, it's going to have to start with being an easy way to hold the crypto, and it, it can't. It can't involve these, you know, <laughs> these silly things. Like this is this to me is the equivalent of like a, a you know a modem. You've got to dial into the internet. Like I don't want to. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do it. Um, and so I really. Oh, by the way, I, I take it you support full uh, full ledger and and cold cold storage. Yeah, I and I, I agree with what you're saying, though. Like, it is the best option right now, unfortunately. But if you're looking for the future, if you're looking for mass market, 90% of the public is not going to use <laughs> a cold storage solution. And, you know, it doesn't matter what people are trying to sell you. You know, Ledger probably pitches that, yeah, this is going to be a mass market thing, but there's just no chance. It's It's just not going to happen. It's... It's too complicated. There's too many steps. You have to like remember things. If you forget something or lose it, you might lose it forever. It's just, it's not, 
it's not practical. I, I, I buy them two at a time and I've, I've got a dozen plus of them. And I, I, anytime there's, it even does anything slightly weird or the screen flickers, I just smash it and grab it. Because <laughs> they're, they're, they're really that terrifying of a device. And I think that, you know, as much as I'm scared of a number of these other things out there, um, you know, self-custody is a big deal. Um, and, and so, you know, being able to monitor these things because, you know, and I, I probably shouldn't say this on air. If, you know, if somebody were to drain, you know, one of my wallets of which there's all over the place, I don't know when I would know that that happened. Um, yeah. because there's, there's no, there's no way that I'd be monitoring all these things. And so that's mm-hmm. why I, I, I have very specific, uh, things and your tool is very interesting because I have very specific wallets for this, this protocol. I have different wallets for all these other ones. Um, and you know, the, it's, it's nice to know that you can have that many in there and compound it into a, a single dashboard. Louis, what did you know when, mm-hmm. when you think of, of the wallet issue and, and what this solves? Because the wallets, you know, don't do a good job of this. Um, you know, d- does this kind of help you with with helping adopt other people into Web three? Yeah, I think this and custody. We're starting to see a custody migration as well. I would love to have you know, Mike. I'd love to have you talk more about custody because. Um, it seems like people don't tend to like a, a while ago it was like, oh, it's non-custody, non-custodial. And now like, I feel like people don't really care um, as there's mm-hmm. like, you know, there's some security issues, obviously, but I feel like convenience is trumping that in a lot of ways. Um, and then Jay, to your, to your wallet thing, left a tee up um, stake wallet in our surf and turf investment pair here uh, for, for a later podcast. So. Deal, deal, yeah. done. I, I listen. Any anything that that is is proving some innovation and and can hire a UI person uh, somewhere in the budget, I think is helpful. Yeah. Although I did I did see that MetaMask had an update and they now have emojis uh, next to the gas <laughs> gas feature. So I mean, again, we don't want we don't want to stress them out too much, but we're getting there. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> digging into to custody a little bit, there. You know, my opinion on custody is maybe a little bit different than the industry. You know, the industry, as I sort of hinted at, is focused very much on DeFi and they want to force everything into DeFi because they think it solves all of our problems, which I think is unfortunately incorrect. And it's incorrect not because of the mentality, you know, like idealistically, yes, that would be great. But the the problem is the customer doesn't care. The retail investors do not care. And it's, again, going back to the internet, you know, that's what we've seen with the internet too. Like retail people do not care about all of these details. You know, for example, the internet. In reality, they don't really care about 99% of things. They care that they can get the data that they want as fast as possible. They care that they can watch their Netflix show. They don't care what happens in the background. And that's the same way with, Uh, crypto. So when we're building a solution, it has to be first and foremost convenient for the customer. So, you know, we are looking at how we can uh, leverage DeFi asset management platforms to offload custody of assets, but uh, certain portions of the uh, advisory that we're building will have to be centralized. And that's because that's the only way that we can right now provide the best experience for our customers. And if we go the DeFi route and disregard our customers just because, you know, our values say that we have to be decentralized, we're just going to lose customers and we're going to lose this 
this battle to build a, uh, you know, a massive platform for digital assets. So our number one priority is convenience because the customer doesn't care about anything else. And I, I think that I think that's a really interesting <laughs> approach. And again, the the rush sometimes to decentralization and to to give away and the the project and what the community own it own it is is you know sometimes premature. Yeah. Um, and and I I really like the fact that you have a centralized team that knows that's mature in the space, understands it, and is really saying, I understand you're asking for this, but here's what we're seeing from your your point of view because uh, you guys just see so much more than a standard user ever would or could research because this is your mm-hmm. livelihood so that's that's fabulous i love it yeah. um mm-hmm. so so as we kind of uh you know roll into the the last section here um which we refer to as kind of you know alpha drops what else are you seeing that just gets you really excited uh in and around the, the web3 space it can be a coin it can be an nft project um you know i, I didn't see any nfts uh, integrated in there as well? Is that is that something Shrimpy might at some point uh, give us a valuation on, on our uh, JPEGs? We have been discussing that. Our team is very excited about NFTs. We've had a lot of people propose solutions for NFTs inside Shrimpy. So that's something that hopefully we will be able to discuss at, you know, in future. But um, you know, right now we are still focusing on how can we make it as easy as possible to get exposure to the mass market. So what I'm actually excited about, which is a little bit different than specific projects, is I'm more excited about ways that you can optimize for taxes using, uh, you know, things like IRAs. So being able to roll over your IRA from you know, whatever platform you're using into crypto so that you can get, you know, tax benefits, you could get all of these other things to mitigate some of your risk in the market. So I think that's an area that a lot of people aren't really talking about. And I think would use uh, a little bit of exposure that, you know, if you're looking to uh, potentially have some tax benefits, consider how you can do that by, you know, looking at your IRAs and things like that. I mean, it's it's really again the, the first thing I thought when I saw the dashboard and saw everything, and then you can go back historically and be like, well, the, this is this is what my CPA has been asking for. Um, you know, as soon as we can export it, but you know, the the thought of being able to to bring in those longer and those other investment vehicles uh, is very interesting because um, you know, even from a very small DeFi perspective, you know, whereas I think anyone doing you know getting six percent in the DeFi world would be very upset. I'd be thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> from 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 a tra- uh, tradfi perspective, to be getting that as a base, uh, the lowest part of it. So that's that's awesome. Um, anything else you think is cool that's that's not shrimpy related that you've been playing with a little bit? Um, uh, unfortunately, nothing that comes to mind. I mean, I'm always looking at NFTs. You're, you're I'm always <laughs> yeah. You're full time in the space. You don't have time to do anything else. <laughs> I, I don't. You know, I, it's it's kind of unfortunate. You know, there's there's so many things to do, so many things to look at. It's, it's hard to keep up with everything. It feels like as soon as I get excited about something, there's something that comes around the corner and you're like, oh, that's the new exciting thing. And you're just always chasing the next thing. Every, every week, I never know what I'm, who I'm going to interview or what it's going to be. And it, it bounces from uh, DeFi projects to, to, to dashboards to, to NFTs. It's fabulous. Will, you got anything cool that you really want to, that you saw in the past week or so that you're excited about? Um, we've been mostly making private investments. I think that's what's been most exciting. 
Um, and also I think like, you know, every time QIS has like a crypto markets fundamentals call, like I, I learn a lot and it, it's, it's, it's very cool to see what's being built in the space. But I think I echo Michael when he says like, there's a lot of solutions looking for problems because people just build for technical reasons. Um, like, I think, you know, like, Idols PYT is interesting, like perpetual yield tranche product is interesting, tranche finance is interesting, the movement into risk differentiation is interesting. But again, over engineered, like anybody with a mortgage knows how tranches work and they not properly engineered a DeFi. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think we're seeing a lot of really cool builders that are coming in, lowering valuations, interestingly, because um, like for super new ideas, like, like, People are seeing the bear market and or the, the like more humble market um, and uh, just kind of growing our ecosystem. I think that's been very, very interesting, but no specific projects that are that are blowing my mind. I think Shrimpy is like awesome, but, you know, no, nothing I, I, is like DeFi stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm super excited. Yeah. And Lily, you're, you're so excited about Shrimpy. You, you invested. So congrats. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, Michael, thank you so much. And, uh, really fabulous. How, how would you like people to, to reach you? Um, and as well as, uh, you know, being able to try out shrimpy, I, I signed up this morning and was put on, I think a wait list. So is that open or how can people get onboarded or what's the best, best way to, to try out the platform? Yeah, absolutely. So if you're interested in trying out the platform, if you're listening to this right now, you can certainly sign up and then message us through our support system and just let them know that you saw me on uh, the podcast and we can give you some free time on the platform. So we're happy to set you up with a free account for a bit so you can try everything out, uh, get it all tested. Um, and if you like it, you know, we can, we can see where we can go from there. Uh, if you want to contact me, is it, well, is it typical to <laughs> say emails? I don't know, sort of what. You know what? I think if you if you Twitter or you got a Discord page or <laughs> okay. anywhere else you'd want you'd want uh, you want to send a couple thousand people, so email yeah. may not be the best. <laughs> that's okay. That's what <laughs> I was sort of curious about. So, if you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, my Twitter is m k m c c a r t y three. However, I don't tweet much. Maybe I'll start tweeting more. Okay. Uh, besides that, you can always reach me just by messaging support and just asking for me, and they'll forward the, the email along to me as well. Can Michael, I also, I, I, for, uh, Michael, would you be okay if I put the raise memo into our group so that people- Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Cool. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you guys, Ywills. Uh, there's another one in the bag, uh, Sh- Michael with Shrimpy. And Lily, thank you again so much for the intro, thank and congratulations on, on really uh, finding, I, I think, a, I think, Again, never investment advice, uh, but but one of the, the the rare jewels of a mature product in a very early phase asset class. So. Yeah, I mean, this is I, I just you know as a last bit, I just feel like roadmap wise, like BlackRock is going to want this, right? Like I think you're going to see a lot of platforms going like we can build it or we can buy it, but we can't build it as well. And so I you know as from an investor perspective, I think. You know, the growth is tremendous and exit avenues are plenty. So we're excited. And Michael's awesome. <laughs> awesome. Love it. Love it. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Thanks. Why Whales was founded in 2021 by Jay Steinbach, a passionate entrepreneur and business owner with the purpose of bringing YPO and YNG members together in the cryptoverse. 
YWales is a collaborative and confidential community centered around cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, an exclusive crypto hub of more than 600 members. To be notified when we release new content, please subscribe to our show in your preferred listening app. For more information, visit www.ywhales.com. YWales is not affiliated with YPO, but at this time only allow for YPO, YPO Gold, and YNG members due to privacy and confidentiality. Support and production for today's episode was done by Truthwork Media. Nothing in the podcast constitutes professional and or financial advice, nor does any information on the podcast constitute a comprehensive or complete statement of the matters discussed or the law relating thereto.